Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hi, everyone. In this episode, which was originally recorded for the Brand Muse interview series on YouTube, I talk with Amy Landino about her career as a new media triple threat. She's a YouTuber, a keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. In this interview, we discuss her rebranding efforts, dealing with evolving content, and how she coaches people to go after the life that they want, and by leveraging online communication to make that a reality. So have a listen, and I hope you enjoy our chat. Amy is a rock star. She is someone who has inspired me for years before I started YouTube and hugely since. She is the artist formerly known as Amy Schmidauer, but I'm, I'm sure this will be the last time I ever say that. But she is now Amy Landino and has completely rebranded herself, which I'm very impressed by. And she is a YouTube superhero. She also is a speaker. She has uh, the author of the book, Vlog Like a Boss, which is an amazing book. She's the host of the uh, the podcast Vlog Boss Radio. She also has her own YouTube channel, Amy TV. She started a new YouTube channel live uh, with Amy, which is kind of sub-segmented for her interviews that she does with other branding and social media experts. And she is the principal of Aftermark, which is an agency that specializes in crafting stories for other brands through film and content for advertising and marketing and the arts. So multifaceted woman, and I'm so pleased to have you join me on the interview today. Philip, I'm so glad to be here. And I'm really excited to chat with you because I know that we've sort of been like digital friends for a long time. So you know me really well. And a lot of this stuff I haven't really talked about yet. So I'm excited to chat with you about it. Just, you know, clarify branding is crazy a lot of the time. And sometimes it's not that clean, but you really have to do a good job of presenting it in a way that people know what the heck to do with it. So, yeah. And I, and I think it's always been really impressive for me anyway, coming from a long history of branding experience to see someone who, you know, I've seen your videos from very early on and come out of the gate very well branded. And you've definitely evolved and gotten tighter over time. But I was really impressed with how out of the how together you were out of the gate. So I want to talk about that a little bit. So why don't we give the Cliff Notes version of kind of your your journey? So, I mean, I've been on YouTube for 10 years, so, you know, branding has been awry for a lot of that time, but uh, when I really started to very much Cliff Notes version, I was on YouTube before I was in the marketing field. When I realized I wanted to dig into this field much more, I knew that I had video in my arsenal and that if I was going to use my biggest skill set, it was to let people know what I do well by uh, talking about it on video. Because in 2009, 2010, of course, people were making videos in the business world, not as much as they were blogging. And even podcasting was becoming a big deal. And podcasting is interesting. It sort of goes in its waves. And now I think it's finally like cemented because of mainstream media. But at the time, video was really not a thing that the experts were using. But if they were, they were really known for their blogs and then they would maybe jump on their webcam and like ramble on for 10 minutes about something. And and their dedicated audience would listen to every word. But if no one knew who you were, they weren't watching that kind of content yet. So for me, the biggest thing was how do I use my biggest skill set so that people will hire me to do this job because I want to leave my full time job. I had left my full time job by the time I started what was the previous iteration of my current YouTube channel, Savvy Sexy Social. And I just decided I'm going to make three videos a week 
I'm going to let people know anything they need to know about social media in as short a period of time as I can deliver. Jump cutting and learning how to talk on camera really helps with that. I like really synced it up so you could get in and out and get something actionable. And that's really how I think I, I said this earlier. I think I skipped a lot of lines that I may have had to stand in otherwise because I did something that a lot of other people were afraid to do. Um, and so fast forward, Savvy Sexy Social, I mean, I did three days a week, Tuesday through Thursday for three years without missing an episode. And um, and that really, really helped me get ahead in, in the industry when it was in such a period of time. Uh, but a lot of things have changed in the last couple of years. When I wrote the book, Vlog Like a Boss, it came out January 2017. That was quite literally me closing the chapter on my journey on sort of like who I wanted to be and the impact I wanted to have mm. on the world. I love talking about video. I will nerd out about it for hours and hours and hours. I can talk to you about analytics and retention and like why we do this, that, and the other thing. And, and I live for that but I know I have much more that I want to be able to give to the world. And I know the person I've targeted for my channel very well and for what everything I do really well. So I wanted to take that relationship to the next level all at the same time. You know, the, so the book is out. I do a lot of that promotion. I got married. My last name was sort of like, Oh gosh, I'm gonna have to change my last name. Like, is this really that heartbreaking? Nobody knows how to say my name. As it is. So it's like, okay, so how do I do that? I knew that Savvy Sexy Social was a name that helped me so much in becoming um, a part of the conversation in the marketing industry, but I knew it was time for it, that, that chapter to close as well because now I didn't really need it. Now it was like, who is Amy? Um, and, and so a lot of things were happening and, and what you were talking about earlier is, you know, 2018, that was it. Amy Schmidauer died, essentially, kind of. Uh, I hate to say it that way because I love my father's name so much and I'm so glad it's on my first book. But, you know, it was like Amy Landino, Savvy Sexy Social is gone. It's now called Amy TV. I got a new YouTube URL. Like everything across the board just completely changed. And for me, it was because if you're going to do this, you know, nobody expected Puff Daddy to come out and go like, I'm P. Diddy now. Nobody, it's it's always like, oh, weird, really? But now we call him P. Diddy. So it's like, you just sort of have to rip the Band-Aid off sometimes. And we've even seen this with companies in the past, and it didn't work. Like Netflix and Flicks, Flicks something or other, whatever that thing was, it didn't work out. I mean, you saw them come out, make the announcement, it failed, they retracted everything. So I think the biggest thing is, they're huge. They're an amazing company. They, they, they're doing amazing things. They got past it. But if they wouldn't have ripped the Band-Aid off, if they didn't just like do it all at once and keep from any confusion happening, I think it would have been a much longer, harder road in that situation because then you're grappling with, well, we need to make this change, but we have to coach people through it. So that's not really very good at Cliff's Notes. But I think that's sort of like the overall where, where I've been and where I'm going. And just to kind of put a cap on it, my purpose I really feel in, in who I'm talking to is helping them go after the life they want. I absolutely believe that social and communications and video helps you master how to deliver your message so that you can go after the life you want. But there's a lot more to the equation, which is what I'm diving into more these days. Yeah. So let's segue into that because you kind of started on it. Your content's been evolving from being purely social media and 
um, and marketing based kind of really focused on that, which I think definitely did, you know, put you on the landscape and the speaking circuit and, you know, books and being recognized in social media as an expert. And your content has been evolving recently into much more kind of lifestyle content to an extent. And I'm interested to hear you talk about that a little bit. One of the words that I heard you use, um, I think it maybe it was when you were talking to Pat Flynn and his Tesla and social media yeah. marketing. Your, your, that, was, that was a really good chat. Actually. That was, that was, it really was. You use the word entrepreneur, which I thought was really interesting. It's, you know, it's that larger, um, not necessarily someone who needs to start a business or express themselves, you know, in a business way on the outside, but there is to a certain extent a development of a personal brand that's internal. And some of that lifestyle stuff that you're starting to delve into in your content I think is really kind of bringing those two pieces together, you know, the ones who do have personal brands or businesses, and then how to lead this fuller, more complete life where you're more in control of both aspects of your work and life. Um, so talk a little bit about, you know, was it uh, viewer feedback that led you down that path? Was it wanting to expand your audience beyond just people who were interested in social media? What was, how did that come about? I think it's, I, I think it's a combination of both and a lot of things. Um, where where I was, I was very focused on who the person was. And they were actually likely to be in a marketing department, not necessarily a, an entrepreneur, but because of sort of the um, amazing trajectory of social media in those early stages, entrepreneurs and business owners were on the front lines of social media because they didn't have a choice. So they were really thinking, okay, how do we implement this into our business? kicking and screaming, I don't want to pay for this. Why is this a thing? Why can't we just do it the old way? You know, like as social media has grown, we don't hear that as much anymore, thank goodness. But still, there a little a little bit of is, is there. So although my content was very much helping those business owners and that really was fueling my business, I knew that I really wanted to speak to somebody who was executing marketing and could take the tips and ideas and get excited about them, not necessarily felt feel pulled back by them. So it really was interesting, even though I was focusing on somebody who is probably in a marketing department, therefore it's their job to focus on these things. I was actually hitting a lot of business owners because they really didn't have a choice. They needed to learn these things. So it was a really interesting sort of trajectory there. But with where I am now, I'm still very focused on that first individual, that millennial female that's really ambitious. And they may see themselves starting a business down the road, or maybe they thought they wanted to during the entrepreneurship sort of like growth period we've seen in the last 10 years. But it also, I mean, I'm kind of waiting for this whole entrepreneurship thing to like not be as cool. And it goes back to being the word you say when you don't really have a job. Like there was a time when this was very not cool and I feel like it's gonna go in waves. And to those people that are still very good at what they do, but don't necessarily take on all of the risk that has to do with business ownership mm -hmm. and just simply want to be a rock star at what they specialize in, that's who I feel I've always really been speaking to. So so that's that's really where I went in. And what's funny about this is I've always envisioned a woman. And everyone and i'm not putting you in on in your spot i just i'm letting you know because i'm talking this out and i love kind of talking about this because i'm navigating it i'm only like four or five months in all of the women who have been watching my channel are like your channel got exponentially better because a lot of them if they weren't thinking about video they still liked to hear me talk about it but they would tune in they tune in a little bit passively and it was it was what it was now they're coming in in droves 
the men who are watching my channel are like, what happened? Like what, I don't understand what right. has happened. What has happened here? And so that's really interesting to me because although it may seem like I blew everything up and, and sort of started from scratch, I didn't. I actually just niched down further. And those who are not necessarily a part of that super niche are, are feeling it. So, so it's really fascinating, but this is what I think we always hear people say, right? You, you really have to work so hard to attract the right people so that you can, you know, not attract the people who are wrong for you. And so this goes into the conversation of, do you have the right people following you? Do you have trolls in your comments? Every aspect of it, some of it you can control, some of it you can't, but I'm notorious for having a really positive comment section, like really positive, like extraordinarily kind of disappointingly positive. Like somebody give me some negative feedback, but it's because I think um, I, I've just really nailed who I'm talking to. And I still love a good criticism conversation, but um, I'm, I'm trying to lean into that. So that has a lot to do with viewer feedback. When you put a piece of content out there and it's like, you know, how to make time to vlog three times a week. Let's just say that would have been like past me video, totally perfect topic to do, which I probably never did, which is a great idea, but I didn't do. And in <laughs> the do. comments, somebody would have said something like, I just really want to know what your, your whole day looks like. Like, how do you, how do you structure your morning? How do you make, how do you set yourself up to be able to knock out like filming three videos on a Monday so you can get them out Tuesday through Thursday? When you put something out there, the best thing you can do is listen to what's next because what's next is probably an even more broken down version of what you just did, but it, it might be the real entry point. If, if the vlogging three times a week was not the entry point, it's because that's not where they are in their mind right now. I'm always trying to get to the entry point where they are, not where I think they are. And if where they are is, I just wish I was a little bit more organized in the morning, then let's talk about that. And I can absolutely speak from experience on that because I literally scheduled myself for success. I literally scheduled every single thing ever in my life, whether I was side hustling and then eventually left my full-time job or I was all on my own and I was working from home and that can be really distracting and I was trying to schedule in that time. So anyway, I think um, that's the really long answer to, to sort of like why this is all happening. But it has to do with Charlotte, and that's my avatar. I know who she is, and I continue to know her better because now we've been friends for eight years, and I continue to get to know her better because I'm listening. So there's – you have – it's to a certain extent, you're saying you're niching down, niching down, niching down, whatever. You never know how to pronounce it. And But by the same token, it's getting broader because it's not Isn't just – interesting? It, yeah, it's really it's interesting. But, really interesting. The person is the niche to me. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest focus. I think you can also niche, niche, niche down on your content as well. But for me, I'm just trying to get people to feel like they can approach self-development and success in a way that's not going to completely take them out or feel, make them feel overwhelmed or have them sit on the couch for 10 hours watching House of Cards if they haven't done anything else better with their time, which I totally do that. But so segueing into Aftermark, your mm -hmm. agency, which is, uh, you know, Interesting to me, too, because the needs of companies, entrepreneurs, large companies to produce content is just getting bigger and bigger. Content development is the marketing tool of the 2000s. I mean, traditional marketing is dead. Content inbound marketing is the only way to go. And a lot of companies have been very slow on realizing that, you know, number one, that they need to do it. Number two, any idea of like what to do. 
and I've always thought that the the um, the the business opportunity of developing made for you content or facilitating the development of true authentic content for you know companies, organizations, arts institutions, or whatever, is. Uh, an area that's ripe for development. And it seems like you have really latched onto that with Aftermark. And Aftermark yeah. is is about content marketing mm-hmm. and your video channel has become a little more lifestyle. Those things t- seem to be either you're segmenting your interest in marketing and your mm-hmm. lifestyle stuff, mm-hmm. or are you consciously segmenting those two things? Because you have so many pans in the fire right now. It's, I'm just trying to get down at like yeah. what the thought process is and how you yeah. segment your businesses. Absolutely. So I think with the book coming out, that was a huge catalyst. Um, we had started Aftermark already, but I don't think we really knew the power of how far the word blog, first of all, has come in um, sort of the mainstream marketing world, that it is accepted to the point where we're working with some of the biggest companies in the world and they're blogging. And so it, that's really cool. And I think that expertise has allowed us to step in and be the expert that does this whole thing for them, campaign, production, everything. And um, so there's that. The channel to me, everything everything I do from a marketing sense markets everything that I do. But there is a big funnel above, you know, sort of like the bottom line, I suppose. And YouTube is just one of those things at the top of the funnel. It's something I'm doing for awareness. One of the things in my funnel is a book. One of the things in my funnel is speaking. Um, one of the things is Aftermark and a lot of other things are in there as well. And in order for me, especially for Aftermark, where we need to be experts at what we do and we need to be relevant to companies in order to be able to be entertained, to go through the process of becoming a vendor and doing the work that it takes in order to produce video for a large company, speaking is a really big part of that. Thought leadership is a big part of that. To get on some of the stages that you really need to be on as a speaker and really get your message out there that we're the solution at Aftermark, a YouTube channel is probably not going to do that, right? A YouTube channel is going to be like, oh, she's so cute. She's playing in her room and she's making videos. This is great. However... A lot, the other side of speaking is the organization of a speaking uh, of an event and, and bringing in speakers and the motivation behind an event is butts and seats. And so to me, I, first of all, want to impact many more people than just our clients, but I want our clients to be impacted in turn. And so by going a little bit more niche on who I'm talking to, but allowing them to determine where the content goes, I'm going broader, I'm going bigger. And those people are now turning up at my speaking engagements and they I'm filling seats where somebody in the practicality and breakout kind of area of the world, you're really only going to go so far as a breakout speaker on how to leverage video for your marketing strategy. And so I didn't want to limit myself. I can talk about that all day long and I still would love to speak on that all day long and I'm still going to for a long time. But I also wanted the ability to go bigger. And I think that that's what this really offers. I've diversified my audience because I'm, I'm diversifying my portfolio across the board. And if we're going to bring in more clients to Aftermark and we're going to do more work there that drives us, I need to be able to bring my biggest skill set to that company to bring those clients, which is speaking and selling what we do. And in order to do that, You've really got to stand out. I I think all of this comes down to 
entrepreneur, entrepreneur, speaker, author, person down the street. It really doesn't matter. Every single one of us has a personal brand. And, you know, your mom thinks something about you. And so you have a personal brand with her. And it's like across the board, we have this. If you can make as much of a change on what you want that to be as possible with everyone across the board, it affects everything across the board. So I believe that by having a positive personal brand that is now affecting millennial women for the most part in success in any area of their life, that helps me be become a thought leader as a speaker in the business and in marketing worlds. And that helps us bring in business to Aftermark. So all of these things, although they feel a little bit different sometimes, they actually fit quite well together if you really sort of look at, and of course I know my funnel better than anything else, but you know your funnel and everyone, you just have to understand that everything has to rhyme and have a rhyme and reason. And why is that, why does this podcast exist? And why does this YouTube channel exist? And why does this book exist? And what is it pointing to? And you have to know that because otherwise you're not going to keep up with everything you have to do anyway. You've just spread yourself thin and nothing really equates to anything. If And, and also, you're not going to be happy with the results right off the bat when you're starting. You've got a long, hard road to, get, uh, to go down. You know, yeah. my YouTube channel has been around since 2011. So knowing why you're doing everything is super important. I'm really glad that you asked that. And I've kind of got that all mapped out. When you started, did you have that mapped out? I mean, it's interesting when I started my channel, it was to, you know, I was inspired a lot by you watching you and I, I took a number of things to heart. One, I'm just going to share a couple of things that you taught me that I, that have done amazing things for me. Number one, getting in and getting out. It was like, I had, you know, I had a little pre-music. I had my little thumbnail in there. I would like had this introduction of who I was and you're like, people know who you are. And if they don't, they'll look at your about page. It's like, get in there, just say, hi guys. Like, every, like, you know, everybody. And when they, you know, it, who's in your tribe. And so totally changed the front end of my videos. Number two, when I started out, you were like, look at your average watch time, you know, take that times two, if you're lucky. And that's how long your videos are. And so I strived, you know, to have three to five minute videos in the beginning. Sometimes they're running a little long now, but it was like, get in, get out. I happen to use speaking notes because I cover really intense topics that take have a lot of factual information and I can't get in and out in three minutes or five minutes unless I have something to speak to. So I glance down, I read my cheat sheet. But that really inspired me too. And I think that that's a lot also about people are time starved, right? And so they want value right away. They don't want to listen and watch you blab on for you know eons. They want to get something they, they can use and get out. And so in doing what I've done, I've always really honored that. And I think that that kind of honoring of an understanding of their, your avatar is so critical because then you can deliver what they want and they reward you for that, right? They reward you with, with loyalty. Um, something I wanted to touch on too was, you know, there are so many channels of social media and they come and go, right? There's been flashes in the pan, Blab, Periscope, Snapchat, things get eaten up, things get usurped everybody's going to video, Facebook, you know, it just goes on and on. You have um, put a lot of time and energy into YouTube and you had, you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you were saying most of your conversations, your immediate conversations were kind of happening over Twitter for a period of time, but you've now been leveraging Instagram really heavily. Can you talk a little bit about that evolution and yeah. what Instagram allows you to do that other channels previously haven't? This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. 
byol.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At byol.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. You know, what's funny is um, I don't think, I don't know that uh, Twitter has obviously changed over the years, but there's something, just attention shifts over time. People get bored and they move on to other things. Facebook is still extremely relevant today, but who I talk to, you know, they don't, they may not spend as much time there as they do their Instagram feed. And Twitter has always been sort of that like black sheep that, People were absolutely there, but um, was it the majority? Probably not. But Twitter was just a preference for me. So I just Mm. absolutely loved it. Um, So there was like the YouTube video would lead to the YouTube comments. And then a lot of, you know, sort of Twitter conversation would happen in between these videos. And so that was how it was for a long time. But Instagram, I'm just finding that it's so complimentary, uh, especially when you brand it properly and you're you're creating content for it properly, that it complements my YouTube channel so much that it just made sense for that to be the place. And I didn't just decide that. I didn't go like, forget Twitter, I'm switching to Instagram. I'm just finding that, uh, for instance, I did a Q&A recently and I asked both Instagram and Twitter and I was just so connected. I don't know why. I was so connected to the responses I was getting in my DMs on Instagram versus the tweets I was getting on Twitter. Mm. And so it was really speaking to sort of what my evolution has been. And if you look at sort of where I was in the previous years versus where I am in these in these last like five months, um, Instagram was more of where I am right now and Twitter was more of where I've been in the past. So it's just really interesting that I'm looking at, again, I'm niching down so much on the audience that I realize they're spending more of their time continuing to watch my Instagram stories and therefore popping in my DMs a lot because it's so seamless and um, and commenting on posts and things, but mostly DMs. That has been so incredible versus Twitter. And here's another thing. Everyone has a personal brand. It all goes back to this. I've, been, I've said in the past, and I have to find some video footage of this or something. I've said in the past... When everybody asks me the silly questions, so don't ask me this question, Philip. What is the future of social media? And I, I just hate that question because, like you said, flashes in the pan happen all the time. And it's just like, to me, the answer was always, I think people are going to want their privacy back. And boy, has this shown that to me. They want to use the tools, but they still want their privacy back. Mm. So if you publicly tweet something to me, everyone can see it. The algorithm is picking up on it. Somebody who may or may not follow me or but, but follows you sees that you reply to one of my tweets because now they're being pushed together on the feed. So now what you say publicly ever on Twitter is now part of your personal brand. If someone just simply wants to ask me a question but doesn't feel the need to put it on their Twitter feed, even if it's a reply, they're coming to my Instagram DM. They just feel more comfortable in the Instagram DM. And I've even gone so far as to like ask people like, do you care if I show, if I screenshot this and show that you asked me this question? Cause I think more people will find value in the answer mm. to the question. I ask 
because I'm worried that they they really did want their privacy in the DM. And, and so there's a balance there to play. But that's, I think, why there, there's been this trajectory of like Snapchat worked for a reason and it's still working. It's just a matter of what in the heck are we going to do with it now? I don't know. But the, the privacy side of things, it's not that anybody wanted to do anything naughty, which is what totally what I thought in Snapchat. When Snapchat came out, my brothers were on it. I was like, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> They're 10 years younger than me. I'm like, no, I want nothing to do with that. There was something about that element of privacy that worked. So now we're seeing the bots and we're seeing the Facebook Messenger mm, and yeah. all of the stuff start to take off. There's an element of, you know, maybe Facebook knows what I'm doing or Instagram knows what I'm doing, but the whole world doesn't need to know until I announce it. There's something nice about that, which is also why I think Instagram doesn't give you the ability to see who screenshot your stuff where Snapchat does. There's something really fascinating about that element of privacy. So I'm noticing that that's where the conversations are really happening and why it's so important not to ignore them. Even if you can't reply to every single person, you have got to be a part of the conversation with your community. If you have the ability to start the conversation, you have to continue it with them. I heard something, you say something else on a podcast that I thought was really interesting. And that is that you considered yourself an introvert. Oh, and, yeah. and I don't consider myself that, Philip. I am an introvert. <laughs> I was just like, what? And I mean, but you said there's introverts, extroverts, and then you said omniverts, right? I think you oh, used yeah. that word. And I thought that that was a great word because I am also very introverted, but I've been in leadership roles my whole life. I've presented to CEOs for decades. So it's like, I can show up, I can talk in front of an audience, but really when it comes down to it, I'm very much a designer and like my own space. You know, I have to recover from heavy social situations, you know? So how, how, how does that introversion manifest itself in, in Amy Landino, who seems very out there? I think um, it's okay, so there's like positive and negative, right? Like I did a, I did an event last week that just absolutely just took it out of me. I mean, I didn't know the obstacles I was going to have ahead of me that day. And I was working, I didn't have anyone on my team with me, which is super unfortunate. I was just working, you know, from beginning to end and working to me in an element that is, it's not, it's not just doing work. That's not the issue. It's, um, having to be on for 12 hours or something along those lines. I'm used to that, but sometimes I get breaks. And in this situation, I did not get any breaks and I really was feeling drained five hours. And then all of a sudden I had to go speak and I'm like, Oh my God, I have to go speak now. Like, wow. I, I think it's really important to, first of all, try to prevent any situations I, that there were things that happened in that, that, you know, whatever, it's all good. Like it turned out so well that event turned out so well I was just so mentally and emotionally exhausted because I know myself better than that I know that I I needed you know a few hours by myself when I landed in town before I could proceed with anything else I knew myself better than that and so I you know I did a really good job of showing up because I know that it is on me to be on in those situations it is not you know this is the Amy show and you get her however she feels I hate when I run into somebody who has such a fun and interesting and lovely brand online, especially a YouTuber, and meet them. And um, not from a fangirling perspective, but just overall, they just don't seem to care or engage or or decide to show up. Mm. And I just think that that's unfair because um, that's not who I want people to think I am in person. I don't want them to think I'm a negative, quiet person. Um, I just need time to myself. So I think it's really self-awareness and knowing 
I'm not an extrovert. I do not thrive on being around other people. I enjoy it when I have kind of worked myself up for it, but then I'm going to go home after and I'm going to need some recovery time from that. So I think that's, that's really um, something that's important. But what's cool about being an introvert to me is this something that maybe a lot of people haven't considered is how much we consider outside sources in everything that we do. You know, we see flashes in the pan most of the time, whether it's people or things, because they're copying off of someone else or because they found something they like and they're like, I'm gonna do that too. And then they're in and out. I actually find that being an introvert has allowed me to um, be in my bubble, but not you know, too much. You have to be really careful because I'd love to be in my bubble all the time. But like, you got to be in your bubble a little bit so you can have your own ideas, so you can have your own um, thought processes and, and really be able to just get things done. And because I don't thrive on social situations, I don't do very many social things unless I really, really want to. And so that's allowed me to make a lot of time to get things done. And I hear a lot of people saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Um, my best friend is one person I'm always trying to talk to and say like, girlfriend, you know how you told me you wanted to write a book? Uh, you go out like every single night, not, mm. not drinking out. She's lit. She's just so well known in the community. She's asked to go to every single event. She's asked to support friends here and there. She's got so many friends. I'm like, you never do anything just for you. And not only that, now you have a future husband that you, you're really, you know, trying to make happy too. And so I think that you just have to be self-aware and I'm really grateful that I am an introvert. Um, it taught me a lot about observing people and trying to figure that out. And that's teaching me a lot in the psychology of marketing. But I've also been able to stay focused so much on my own time that while I'm rehabilitating myself to be in a social situation, I'm doing it by doing good work. And then when I have to be in that social situation, I don't have to start a conversation on my own. Everybody kind of wants to just talk to me because I'm making videos or something. And they're like, I've seen that. And I'm like, cool. Like, now we can talk and that's not weird for me. And, uh, you know, so I think that's how I figured out how to navigate it. So you have to take the pluses with the minuses. But even when there are minuses, you, instead of being sad or complaining about it, you just have to own it and just be and just lean into it and accept it, be self-aware and figure out how to use it. So that's what I would say about being introverted. So how? OK, to um, we're going to gonna... extroverted introvert, which I think is where omnivert comes from. And so yeah. there's this whole thing so well i mean that comes across i think in your videos and your ability to speak i mean you are you have a bubbly personality and that totally comes across no one um, would have ever said that about me as a kid i've come oh me bubbly. either i was like hair uh -huh. in front of the face yeah <laughs> i did have hair at one point in fact very long hair how do you two questions and i'll give you them both at the same time and maybe they'll segue into each other one how do you stay inspired Creatives, designers, you can, there's this great story, I'll tell it very quickly. There's a book called um, Orbiting the Giant Hairball by a guy named Gordon McKenzie, who was a creative director at Hallmark for decades. And he told this story that designers are like cows. They, you can take them into the barn and you can milk them. But if you milk them for too long without letting them out of the pasture to eat some grass and get some sunshine and drink and walk around, they will come up dry. And I think any of us who develop content or, um, you know, show up for others in what we do for them in our businesses or otherwise, we can come up dry if we're not careful. So how do you stay inspired, number one? And number two, is do you have a personal manifesto that you live by? Hmm. You know what's funny? I, I think... 
every time I've answered this question about staying inspired, my answer has been the same, but now something else is occurring to me. But what I would say is that usually I'm most inspired by reading those DMs, reading those tweets, Hmm. because I have the very amazing, amazing problem of not being able to keep up with them, but being able to read them and see that something I did nailed it or something I did was helpful or seeing somebody say like, Oh, we got an email last week. Meg sent me an email last week. Somebody wrote out their entire story in an email, which I'm very bad at reading, by the way, but Meg helps me a lot with this. And she's like, you changed my life. You're coming to Toronto. Can I bring you anything? Coffee, food, anything. I just want to meet you for five minutes and tell you you've affected my life. So that's a really, really beautiful thing. I'm so grateful for. And when you are in sort of like the bubble and just doing things and getting, you know, you can forget a lot of that stuff. So I'm always making time every day to read those things. But I think also that I stay inspired. Uh, what's the, what's the phrase? An object in motion stays in motion. The thing that just occurred to me is I'm always in motion. So even if I'm taking some time for myself, Sure, I'll turn the TV on because that's weird. Like, I don't have the TV on a lot. But when I turn it on, I'll I'll be, like, reorganizing my kitchen or something. And I'm like, this is downtime, everybody. This is me not working. And and I think there's something about that that keeps me inspired. It sounds really weird. But because I always feel so productive all the time, it keeps me going so much. So that when there's that day that's like, I do not want to get up. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do the project I have to do today. I don't want to go to the meeting and put a smiley face on for the thing I have to do today. There's never a time that I don't do it. I I often, you will find that if I say I'm going to do something, I do it because I have made the decision. That's also something I think inherent in me that I don't just say things that I'm going to do. I I literally decide and then I do them. Uh, I think that's an important quality that I'm so grateful for. I think I, I, I don't know how somebody earns that or gets that, but I'm happy I seem to have it at the moment. But I always seem to do the things even if I don't want to because I know that my word is as good as I make it. And when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And also, I just don't get a whole lot of purpose um, around laying around. Also, like my husband and I haven't even gone on a honeymoon yet. But I specifically said to him, it's for me to feel productive on a honeymoon, <laughs> for me to feel productive on a honeymoon, I feel like I need to give you my one hundred percent attention because we don't get to do that for each other all the time. We're running two businesses. We're, we're, you know, he's visiting his family right now. I can't be with his family all the time when he goes to visit because my dog is older and she, it, she's a whole lot of work. So we're always doing something and not always together. So I said, for me to feel productive on a honeymoon, we need to pick a destination where we feel like we don't necessarily have to see and do everything. We are going to just be dedicated to spending that time together. And maybe one of us will, you know, we'll be reading a book next to each other and that's fine. But we're literally just going to spend the time together because we can only do it for seven days. It's all we have. We haven't even done it yet. We got married in September. That, that to me is being able to say what I'm going to do and doing what I'm going to do and showing up for it. But I know that taking a break would be a good idea. I don't do it very often, but now I'm going to do it with the intention. I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. And I think now that's going to be what truly 
sort of re-energizes us to come back from a true vacation, which we'd never take a true vacation to, to dive back into what we were doing. So I think there's a lot of different things like an object in motion stays in motion. I think I've just realized that that phrase is a big, big one. I don't think it's my mantra. I don't think it's the the phrase, I really truly believe you go after the life you want. That's what I say to everyone. That's it. I, that's literally what I think. I think the way you want it is the way you make it. And that's what keeps the object in motion because I just don't believe that sitting around for too long is going to get me where I got to go. That is awesome. Thank you, Amy, so much for joining us today. I will just plug your book one more time, Vlog oh. Like a Boss, and your podcast, um, Vlog Boss Radio and Amy TV on YouTube. Phenomenal, incredible influencer. And so thank you so much for spending time with us today. And I, I'll put all this stuff in the show notes. So if anyone wants to click a link, it's going to be there. And uh, make sure to check out our channel and podcast. And again, thank you so much. Philip, it was great. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.